Welcome to Behind the DM Screen. It is February of 2022. We are three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out, and I think that's how I start the show. Yep, sure. So, I am Jeff Greiner. With me is Sam Dillon. Hello. And Mike Shea. Hello. And that's us. Okay. So, that's all the intro you get, and Sam, you are first to go this week, or this month. Uh, so, I don't Sweet. know. Sam? Tell us about your games. All right, my games. So my Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game is uh, they they just finished their probably second to last session in uh, the uh, the Caves of Hunger. So they've been going around there, getting their butts handed to them pretty much at every turn. Uh, they finally leveled up, and um, they have just made it to the uh, the little uh, fortress outpost thing that's in there, um, and the. Uh, they are about. They tried to go. They're trying to go a different way around. So they're about to find the spoilers. By the way, the hidden grove that's in there. Um, they had one of their. Uh, they, one of the PCs has a familiar that is a crow, and it flew down in there to see what was in there because they were looking for a place that they could hole up and rest. And they saw all the trees with the fruit, so they brought one of the pieces of fruit back. But my wimpy players, nobody would take a bite out of it, so they don't know <laughs> what the fruits do. Uh, and then they took a rest. Um, they are still being hounded by the uh, Tekalili, who uh, I have uh, sort of altered so that uh, he could be more related directly to one of the PC's backgrounds. So he is this sort of posh – he has this posh English accent and uh, speaks very much like a gentleman, but he is a an assassin, and he is chasing one of the players. Is and uh, so a, he keeps – Is that the, the vampire knoll? Vampire knoll, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't. So, I I only played Yithrin. I never. I didn't actually play the the yeah. cave. So yeah, he's one of the bright spots in the adventure. He needs to be changed a little bit. If the if the PCs are actually the level they're supposed to be when they get there, he's not going to be much of a challenge. Mm. But uh, my my PCs, of course, because I'm a bastard DM, they were much <laughs> lower than they were supposed yeah, what, to be. What level are you? You said you leveled up your characters. What level? Now are they? they are third. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I could see why you would ask that. Uh, <laughs> I think they just went to. I'll have to look. I, I, I don't. This is bad. I don't remember offhand. Um, let me just look. Real are quick. they? Are they like close to ten? Tenish area? Uh, oh no! No. It takes you. I don't, yeah, I think if you play by the book, no. I guess the ten, book ends. You, at you like get eight. the tenth. Yeah, is it 10? Like, I don't know if you yeah, ever reached. You, you could, you can get to ten in Yethrin if you. There is like four milestones in Yethrin. Yeah. Yeah. So they are level. <laughs> you can play the uh, Jeopardy song. They're now level eight. Eight. Oh, okay. Just leveled up to eight. Um. So that's the, about the right level for there. It, it, it is yeah, now. And, yeah, and it eight, is now. Eight. But they're but they're going right. They're about to go to Yethrin. So they were behind. They were a, le- a level behind, pretty much the entire time they've yeah, been. That's in the not. Game. They're not that far behind where my characters were about that time. I think. I think I had characters are about eighth, mm-hmm. eighth going on ninth when they reached Yathrin. Here's my question about the caves because I didn't play them. Mm-hmm. Did they find the head? Yes, they did. Because my players, because they didn't play the caves, 
found yeah, the found, found, found the headless golem <laughs> running around yeah. and then scoured the city looking oh. for that head. <laughs> and I'm like, I could yeah. put it somewhere, but this is kind of funny. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of like, hey, it teaches you a lesson, right? Like, look, not every not, not every, everything not is a thing. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the head's just missing. <laughs> yeah, they uh, found it and they tried to talk to it and they activated the uh the arcane eye pseudo um tour guide that was in that whole area and which of course just kind of goes bzz, bzz, and then fails out uh which uh was it was actually pretty fun they thought of course you know they were like a typical you know we thought we were going to get this tour of yithrin well fine you know <laughs> so it was a pretty it was a fun scene did um, uh did your group find the remoraz at all did they do anything with the remoraz so i so uh one of my players really gets uh, squigged out by many legged creatures so right. i replaced the remoraz they already had a thing with remoraz early on cuz i had davrick fane have a Rimaraz egg, and that was part of what dro- drove them to realize that he was involved with. Uh, he's from the um, Legacy of the Crystal Shard. I brought him in as an NPC, as a chosen of Oral, mm-hmm. and uh, they met him in Lonelywood, and they found in his house he had like he had stacks and stacks of firewood, and he had like all of these wood stoves burning in his house to keep it warm enough for the Rimaraz, mm-hmm. and they so they found the eggs and destroyed them. But so I I didn't want to throw a. Um, a full-grown Rimraz or Rimraz family. So what I did was I replaced the Rimraz in that whole uh, pool area with uh, these things called um, frilled snow crawlers, which are something that I created and that was published in the... um, There's a DMs Guild uh, Scientific Secrets of Icewind Dale um, product that there was a bunch of collaboration, a bunch of us uh, wrote different things for. And that was a CR8 creature that I I wrote up and it kind of is like a Rimaraz, except it's not mini-legged. It's more like a giant worm that can spit salt, and and it makes the whole uh, area difficult terrain, and it makes things slippery. And, and if you step on the wrong area, it can, like, stick you to the ground, So uh, and it can swallow. It has a swallow power. So uh, it was pretty devastating because it had two adults and three young, and they they went down one of the, one of the tunnels, and they had put a rope— they had tied a rope and, and attached it up to the top, and one of them, uh, they tried to throw the rope. They knew there were pools down there because they had had the familiar fly down there, and so they were trying to direct the rope to be in the right spot. And so I, I had them roll like a dex check or something to throw the rope in the right spot, and they did, but then when the one player slid down, they – basically got down to the bottom and they kind of let go of the rope and went right into one of the pools. <laughs> and so that was one of the pools with the creatures in it. So uh, then they all had to kind of jump down. That was a really fun scene too, because they got to slide down, you know, this big giant horrible tube that's all slick and iridescent. And that that's a fun, the Caves of Hunger are a really fun part of that adventure. Um, and it, it you can, as a DM, make it as difficult or as easy as you want it to be. Like it's very easy to make that much more difficult or very easy also to make it, to, uh, to make it easier. Um, and I've just been really hard on the PCs the entire time. Cause I want them to be really run down by the time they have to earn getting to Yithrin. Okay. Cause I have no idea what they're going to do in Yithrin. I have no clue whether they're going to like try to activate the Mithalar, mm-hmm. whether right. they're going to try to, you know, kill Iriel Arthas, you know, Oral's going to show up and, and Torog is, is going to be part of it. Um, because, you know, I have that whole Torog sideline mm-hmm. going on and those two are related. So they're, they're, 
trying to, you know, avoid letting him free. And so I know they might just decide to activate the Mithalar to stop Torog from becoming free. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably probably only going to spend about three sessions in Yithrin, so I probably only have mm-hmm. about three and a half sessions left. Uh, I have a quick poll question for the yep. chat. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike and Sam keep saying Rimaraz. What do you say? Rimaraz. I don't know. Rimaraz. Do see how see how Matt Mercer. See, now, I think you just changed it. <laughs> I, I've always said Rimaraz, and you guys have been. I say. I, say I said Rimaraz. Yeah. That's what I just mm-hmm. said. I'm pretty sure. That's what we're both saying. Rimaraz. No, no. How, how do you think it's supposed to be pronounced? No, I've always pronounced it uh, Rimaraz. And I don't know how to oh, spell. Oh, I always say Rimaraz. Yeah, that's. So I'm curious, Remoraz or Remoraz? What does Mike Matt Mercer say on D and D Beyond? I don't know. I'm about to listen. Oh, uh, yeah, Remoraz. Oh, my way. <laughs> Your way, wasn't it? No, you no. said Remoraz. <laughs> now, now I've heard you say it so many times, I don't even Remoraz. know which way is my way anymore. <laughs> okay, your way then. <laughs> Anyway, we now we've cut cut into several minutes of Sam's time to figure out how to pronounce fantasy words that don't that uh, aren't real. Whatever, right? Whatever. Yeah, you all say Kraken as well, and I say Kraken. So who cares? It's okay to be wrong about things. Yeah. Do you call call it Frosted Flax? No, you call it Frosted Flakes. So <laughs> there you go. I'm sorry. It's English. All right, that's how that's how English works, right? Like every word is pronounced the same way. Absolutely, English is so screwed. <laughs> it's so bad. It's Mike, so bad. Just, but Mike likes to invert words on uh, Thara's done. Yeah, Thara's a dune. Right. I mean, this is the thing, right? Like one of the things. So the the, the guys uh, who who run Troller Games, who uh, published Castles and Crusades, their world setting name is Aired. A I H R D E. Right. Aired. And people ask him all the time, oh, how do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it? And he says, well, how do you think it's supposed to be pronounced? And they'll say whatever. And he'll say, yep, that's the one because it's your world. It's right. your game. You pronounce it how you want. Like, who cares? You know, he doesn't care. Who cares how you pronounce it? So, you know, yeah. Anyway, you were now anyway, you, you think three sessions in Yithrin is going to be. Yeah, because I'm pushing them, right? Because okay. they have a target. And so I get to direct. I'm directing where they're going. See, I, I thought my I thought my group was going to finish when I, before I went into it. I thought they were going to get through Yithrin in like two sessions, mm-hmm. and then it was four or five sessions. But they were having a blast, so I didn't. Yeah, I didn't try to push them any faster. I'm ready to be done, and they have a certain goal, right? They have certain certain goals that they want because I I'm already like I'm planning my next campaign. I'm I'm doing a traveler campaign. I'm not doing D and D, and so I'm I'm already ready to be totally done with this and not and not worry about it. Old school traveler. Um, um it's the Mongo second edition version of Traveler, mm-hmm. but it's it's basically the same kind of mechanics. You roll two d six target did numbers. You, did you say eight. Mongos? Mongoose. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mongoose publishing. You know. Yeah, no, no. I I'm aware. <laughs> I just thought we should have more pronunciation conversations. <laughs> I was just probably slurring my word a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> Um, no, so yeah, so Mongo. I, I played old school Traveler for a long time, and then I stopped playing Traveler. And then when I got back into it a couple of two, three years ago, uh, Mongoose Second Edition is the current sort of most published edition. They still have things coming out, uh, and so that's the game I'm playing. But I'm going to do a big old campaign of that. That's going to be my big campaign this year. So I'm really ready to be done with D and D. And they could. I mean, if I let my party, they would spend the next ten sessions in Yithrin. Like they, 
if I let them go and don't really cause them to focus on anything or, or whatever, they would just meander through and they would hit every single possible thing they could and then some, and they would take 10 sessions. But I'm not letting them do that because I'm ready to be done. And I think they are too, honestly. I was, was going to say, that that's my question. Are, are they eager yeah, to get done to and move done. on to Traveler? This has been like uh, session 23 or something. Mm-hmm. And they're, and we've been playing since uh, October, no, November of 2020, right? Because it came out in October 2020. We've been playing since November. So, so now, granted, we had a hiatus in there of two or three months when a couple of players moved and there were some issues with internet and stuff like that. So, and we take the, you know, took the holiday off, like we didn't play in December or whatever. Um, but like 23 sessions over two years, we're probably going to hit about 26 sessions. That's a decent length campaign. And mm-hmm. I think everybody's ready to be done. Um, the traveler campaign idea yeah. is that is that all Sam's excitement or are they eager to get to it too? Oh, it's not those players; it's totally different players. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, they're going to still play. They, one of the other one of my players is going to DM uh, Witchlight for them, um, and then another one is doing what's their next one? I can't remember what they're doing next. Anyway, so uh, my group has a lot of DMs in it, so they'll uh, you know. Are you going to yeah. play? Uh, probably not. I'm. I think I'm done with Five E for a while. Yeah. I need. I need to step back and not and not do anything with it. You know. Fro- Frost Maven will do that to you. No, I. I <laughs> no, no, no. Honestly, I was ready to step back from Five E already, but my players really wanted me to run Frost Maven. Remember, I like, so, that, so you're like, and I'll show you. If you no, if you go back <laughs> to when we were first talking about it coming out, I said it sounds interesting and it's supposed to be sandbox, and that's what I really loved about Tomb of Annihilation. Want to play Five E, huh? Here we go. And, and they were like, and my players were like, "Ooh, a really brutal campaign." I know that you're really old school. I want you to run this for us. Like well, that sounds like it would be really fun. And one of the players I have, I had not had it in the game before, and but several of the players I have were already in my D and D brief campaign. And one of the players is a friend of theirs, and was like, "Ooh, I'd really love to be in a game with Sam." And so I was like, "Well, all right. If I've got like four different people telling me that I really should run this, and they really want to play in the game, and it's been a lot of fun." Um, I'm just ready to be done with 5e. You know, I'm, I just am. You're ready to be Is done it, with 5e, or you're ready to take a break from 5e? I'll take a break. I mean, right. but I mean, my break is going to be probably a two-year break because I'm going to run. I'm going to run Traveler, and then if, uh, next year or the year after, I'm probably going to either run Call of Cthulhu or I'm going to run Warhammer Fantasy Fourth Edition. Although, you, so you still have the teenage I, group, right? Huh? You're still running with the teenagers. Yeah, I mean, they're, but they're, they, we only play like once a month, and it's very, you know, variable how we play. I'm just running them through like very small scenarios. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, so but, yeah, I mean, but I, it's I'm not, still 5e. I'm, not, I'm getting rid of all my books or something, you right, know, right, I mean, right. keeping, I'm keeping my books sell, and everything. Sell them along with your miniatures. Yeah, right. <laughs> I actually have sold a lot of my own. I really only have, what do I have on my shelf? I have the core, right? I've got the core. I've got Rime of the Frost Maiden. I've got uh, Tomb of Annihilation. I've got a couple of uh, I've got this West Marches book, and I've got like the Wilderness Screen. I got rid of a bunch of stuff just because I don't need it. It almost looks like you have three copies of the third edition DMG back there. What are those blue? <laughs> so this is uh, no, it's Wildscape Dungeon Craft and uh, and City Works. It's, okay, it's the old. This is like perused right. Sam's bookshelf uh-huh. time. You also have those three enormous uh, rewrites of uh, old school adventures, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've got uh, there's six of them, and one of them really? has two books. Yeah, those things aren't cheap. 
I thought I saw somewhere that Goodman was doing not only reprints of the old adventures, but they were like binding together. Here's the reprint of the old adventure. And yeah. Here's, yeah, here's yeah, a five E. That's kind of why. I didn't, yeah. one of the reasons I didn't pick them up. It's like it's the same yeah. adventure four times. Well, right, but that would be super good for edition wars. Well, so it has it has the original re it has the original right, and then it has so the the first one they did is B one and B two right in search of the unknown and keep on the borderlands, and there they reprinted both of those twice because they did like the first printing original, the second printing original, and then they did the fifth edition update for them, and so it's okay. this big huge book but doesn't really have a ton extra, but for the other ones they did the printing the old printing which is only like 30 pages right and then they did the fifth edition upgrade then they did a bunch of extra stuff Mm. so you know like it's not just a giant book with reprints in it Uh, the first one is but the other ones are like here we're talking here's here's the original isle of dread okay now here's a whole bunch of stuff in it that was never really developed here's that is but for fifth edition Right. And now here's the fifth edition conversion. Here's some new maps. Here's some, you know, so it's a lot of added value kind of stuff. Right on. So, you know, if cool. you like that sort of thing. And it has, you know, different essays in it, you know, from different, like uh, the B1 hat talk, Mike Carr talks about, you know, writing B1 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. No, when, when I heard that that's what they were doing, my first thought was that sounds like something Sam and, and Brenda should be getting into on Edition Wars because we've talked about po- you possibly doing adventures at some point. It's, seems like that'd be an interesting way to do it yeah i mean uh, so that we have talked about doing adventures on edition wars the problem is that how do you like it's so hard to compare because the the main sort of thrust and themes of the game changes with every edition Mm -hmm. right like it's it's really hard to compare an adventure written for third edition or an adventure written for fourth edition that was like, you know, you know, like the big hardback adventures from fourth edition, right. 100 pages or whatever. And let's say uh, the the um, Red Hand of Doom from third edition, like 96 page module, right? Right. To a 30 page, like original, you know, D&D adventure just doesn't, it's no, really hard to compare to my, that. to my mind, the ones that would really work well with that if it were the ones that are were published in multiple if not every like you could do you could do ravenloft or strahd or whatever right through three four editions yeah yeah, um if you if you have that experience or if you want me to come on as a guest because i've played all (laughs) all of them (laughs) so every single one from the original i've played i mean tomb Tomb of horrors and the temple of elemental evil has two or three editions where it's been published um you know, there's there's so a there's lot a, there's, there's a, a few lot like that, but the problem is that I wouldn't want to do those. I would want to do different ones, right? <laughs> right. Right. So, well, and that's why I thought the Goodman Games thing would would be yeah. Useful. Yeah, I you mean, know, I you know. do what you want, man. But <laughs> anyway, your 15 minutes has been up for a minute. We talked about doing adventures before, and it, it's just really hard to settle on one. Like one thing that I thought might be interesting was if we did like. Um, uh, uh, the um, Night Below boxed set from Second Edition, because it was published uh, later in Second Edition, so it has some battle maps in it. So you could use the sort of late 2.5 edition, like 
like the act skills and powers stuff like third edition but you could also run it more like a first edition and you could compare it to what has been done recently with these big hardback adventures in fifth edition right because it's almost the same number of pages of written text Mm. so that would might be interesting but it's it's really hard to do that because it's so i don't know if you've heard us but brandis and i (laughs) a 30 page chapter for like two hours Mm -hmm. so would you give like a i could i could read the chapter faster than you can discuss it (laughs) yes absolutely i'm not trying to undersell us at all honest about what we do this we is, can get stuck i mean when we did the um we did the, when we did the last edition wars christmas we spent like two hours on nine pages in one of these books you had you right? had what took you what three four episodes to get through the first book yeah yeah <laughs> this yeah. is like uh uh teos and sean uh, doing 13, 13 episode long reviews uh-huh. of uh, Fizzband's Treasury. Like right, you could, right. you could have read it aloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it could have just done an audio book and it been. It could have been an audio book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it really, yeah. So, but I mean, it's a lot of fun to do that show. But, but we both have to agree on what we're what we're looking at, and like, because otherwise we'll we'll never get through. Right, we'll never get through it. So, anyway. right. <laughs> but right. that's it. All that's right. It. So D and D and Traveler and. Uh, We'll see. Well, well, I look forward to hearing about Traveler. I played one yeah. session one time, and I was coming in in the middle of a thing, and then I didn't come back because it was weird. So I look yeah. forward to hearing how Traveler worked uh, for you. I, so the thing is, like, Traveler can be run many different ways, and, and the long campaign that I want to run, it's called Deep Night Revelation. It's actually a published campaign. and But basically, it's it's kind of almost Star Trekky because you're in this big ship. And you go out and you're visiting places that nobody has been to before. So it's this very much like a 10-year exploration kind of thing. So is it a five-year there's, mission? Yeah, there's a goal <laughs> and everything, right? Yeah, there's a goal, but it's just more – You, they don't know where they're going to be next time, right? Like they don't know what they're going to be doing next time. When they get to the next parsec, there may be a planet there. There may be aliens there. We don't know what's going to be there from their from their perspective. Right. So, so it's not like a regular traveler campaign is, is typically the sort of typical traveler campaign is you get a ship and you're flying around and you're trying to not get involved in whatever little local political intrigue is there, but you Mm -hmm. want to be able to do some jobs to make some money so that you can pay for your ship mortgage so that you can move on. Right. Right. And then in for that, you get involved in a bunch of hijinks and you know, all that. Um, this one's a little bit different, but It's a great game. I love Traveler. It's one of my favorite games. I look forward to hearing all about it. Awesome. Uh, If people – we'll take a quick break here. If people want to support the show, you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. That is something that will support me, and I'm the one who – well, at least now I am the one who's paying the bills. For about a year there, Sam paid the bills because he started doing it without telling me. (laughs) And I was too forgetful to change it. So (laughs) – Uh, all right, so um, 15 minutes are on the clock, and it is my turn. So I've been uh, – we finished you – know, we've talked now for a while um, that my, my D&D campaign, my two-year, two-and-a-half-year almost D&D campaign came to a, a conclusion. Um, everybody was happy. There was much rejoicing. Um, we played some, some things before the holidays, after the holidays, after some – I don't know. Struggles getting through character creation because Torg, it turns out, is a really crunchy game. Um, started playing Torg. We've played for two players. I've done three sessions. For the other players, I've done two sessions. Um, I guess three sessions now. 
Um, and we finished the first act. So we did sort of the one-shot intro, and then I started a, a seven-act um, adventure. Uh, we got through the first act, and I came to the conclusion with some feedback from my players that they needed a break uh, from Torg. It's just so crunchy, and life is such for some of them that like they couldn't use the mental bandwidth to really process the crunchiness of the rules and the, and they don't they're not having as much fun if they don't feel like they're effective and whatever um so so as of finishing that act last friday we uh had still half the night left so we started city creation for dresden files as our change of pace adventure oh nice um, i managed to get most of well half of my table to who had never read the Dresden Files over the last year or so to start listening to the Dresden Files audiobooks. Uh, and now one of them has almost run through all of the current books because that's how it works, right? You get you get into it, it's like, well, yeah. this is good. And then you get about halfway through and it's like, oh my gosh, I need more now, right? It, it becomes uh, a yeah. crack in novelization form, right? So uh, are, are you playing Dresden Files Accelerated or the original Dresden so Files? So I only have the original and, and I figured I'd try that. Um, so we started City Creation... They were having a, they were having, and I have never played it. I've listened to to actually Tracy Barnett, um, who who once upon a time did a couple of episodes of a show uh, for us here, um, uh, who I consider to be a friend of the show anyway. Uh, he did a, 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 an audio, um, an actual play um, on his po- uh, recordings, and so that was really helpful and and good for me. Um, but it didn't include the, the city creation part. And I'd gone through it once just with my kids um, at one point. We never ended up playing it beyond city creation and character creation. Um, so I'd been through it a little bit. But I also didn't start thinking, oh, we might not continue on. We might take a tour break. I want to go back to the adventure and finish it. But I mm-hmm. want people's lives to be such that they can afford to the mental bandwidth for it. Um, so I only had like a day and a half to like reacquaint myself with the rules while also working a full-time job (laughs) so Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so we got to the city creation part and it was like okay let's come up with the high concepts for our for our city and they're like i don't get it i don't understand (laughs) so so i'm like you know what that's fine let's just skip that for now and we started coming up with locations Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we came up with half a dozen out of the, there's like a sheet with nine spots for locations. We came up with about half a dozen of the locations, thinking about cool areas or neighborhoods or specific you know, buildings or, or businesses or whatever in in town or using our area um, that could be a thing. And, and we started to sketch out some of the the aspects associated with those places and whatever. Uh, and then it was time to go for the night and and. Um, and now I'm – and I started looking at it. I started rereading it and, and one of the things they say is that when you start coming up with locations, you will see how all of them are directly connected to the high concepts you came up with for your city, right? Yeah. Um, and But so I'm like, oh, well, how are we going to do that? And so I looked at the, the six locations. I'm like, well – I think we just came up with our high concept. Like I mm-hmm. looked at those locations and I said, I see three themes emerging out of these locations. Yeah. Perfect. 
so so I floated those to, to the group on Discord and said, you know, we're going to make a decision now, but I want to put this in writing before I forget about it. I was thinking about it in the shower. <laughs> so 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 here's these ideas. And then one one of the players is like, oh, I, I like one and two. Three, what if we worded it this way? And then I said, oh, even better. What if we change this one word and then we can bring in this other aspect? To, and so now I think we're going to show up on Friday uh, and it'll just be like, oh, yeah, no, let's just do those because I think it's going to work out really well for those aspects, for those high yeah. concepts. So I, I ran that Dresden Files. I ran a little short campaign of it yeah. many years ago when it first came out. And uh, city creation was one of the most fun parts of anything we did. We chose a city that none of us were from. Okay. So we chose like Austin, Texas, which Austin, Texas itself in real life has like the motto, like keep Austin weird. Right. Like that's not its real town model, but that's like one of the things sure it that is. it like all of the people there are like keep Austin weird. And you see it like written on buildings and stuff. And we were like, that would be a really great like Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. Like it's weird because there's all this stuff in the background, right? right that real people don't know about, right? It's sitting on a ley line. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's like a ley line, something there. And so so that's what we did. It was a lot of fun. But I got to tell you that running that game was really hard for me as a DM because I had – because of all the aspects to keep track of right. with everybody. It's so – it's like really – it's it was draining. It, it, hard is the wrong word. It wasn't hard. It was draining for me because mm-hmm. I kept trying to make sure that well, I – allowed for them to really make right. use of all their aspects and everything. I'm actually looking forward to flexing some of my, my lazy DM muscles uh, to bring Mike into the conversation here because I, cause one of the things that, that I get from the Dresden Files RPG as written is you can't like pre-plan a campaign. It's all like – because – you haven't created the city yet. You haven't figured out who the NPCs are. You haven't figured out what are the factions and what's going on in the setting of the game yet. And until you've done that, you can't start putting together a story. Now, as we're starting to put together you know, locations last week, or yeah, last week, I'm, I'm already like, oh, okay, so that could be vampires or it could be this or, you know, so I'm starting to build ideas about things that could go on. Uh, but I'm going to look forward to chatting with y'all as we go through because it's going to be a lot of like, okay, so next week is our first session. I don't know how to get the ball rolling. Like clearly I can improv where it goes, but how do I start? <laughs> you know? yeah. I figure, you know, worst case scenario, we start with a dead body because that's how, you know, that's how a story, uh, an exciting story oftentimes starts. So, Mike, have you, have you played Dresden Files? No, I think I might have played like a one shot at a convention. I've okay. certainly never run it. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, you're, you'll still be able, to, I think, to help out. I don't know if you're familiar with the the books or not, but I have but, them. But it's built on uh, it's built on fate. So right. Yep. And, and you know, the greatest one shot game ever written is Mike Shea's Aeon Wave that, that uses fate. So. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which my players have, most of my players have played that. We did Aeon Wave as well um, and, and had a good time. There you go, put it in the chat. <laughs> uh, so, my, my Aeon only Aeon regret with Aeon Wave. I'm still Wave. paying for that domain name. So, oh, yeah. my, my, I think you can get it. I think there's ways to go find it for free, too. I think I made it fully available. Uh, my only free. regret with Aeon Wave is that it has this like cool background story of the, the satellite and the Aeon Wave and all that. And and I kind of wish I had more information about that set. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I my, my biggest regret about Aaron Wave is I wish you would have written more of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I but, think I think it's my least 
well-selling products. So yeah, I'm probably but, not likely. And, to gonna, and yeah, I liked it. Like I, 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 I've, like I've, I've, I've bought all your stuff. Yeah, I enjoy all of your things. Think, well, all so all the concepts that are in there are all like kind of fun. I don't even think they're that fringe, uh, sort of no. science fiction conversation sort of mm-hmm. things like no. AI singularity and other things. But, so all, but, all that stuff's you know. But this, despite it being maybe your least well simulation thing, argument, right? It it yeah. is, um, it is arguably the most fun I've had with a Mike Shea product. Um, is cool. playing Ayana Wave. So, uh, yeah, and I even, you know, you um, you mentioned this whole simulation aspect. When I played it with him, one of my players had an aspect where uh, he just kind of didn't really care about anything because he thought everything was a simulation, right? Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll tell you, like, a lot of, so there's a, there's a, a kooky dude named Nick Bostrom. He's a professor, uh, I forget where he's a professor of, in, somewhere in Europe. And he has, like, some of the most fun academic articles about like the the singularity and what what ai will do and he has a whole like his his article is the one cited the most often for the simulation argument sure and and it kind of combined all all those things were like well what if those were true right like combines them all into this but but having that aspect worked out really well for me when we played iron wave because they were about to go into like that final room with yeah. the, where the AI is, and he was like, uh, "No, screw this! I'm not going. That seems dumb." And so I held up, I held up that fate chip, and I'm like, "Yeah, but what does it matter? It's all simulation anyway." It's like, I mean, I guess. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I love how Mike's like, "Oh, it's just some guys from some university in England or something." He's from freaking Oxford. Is Oxford somewhere in Europe? Old. Yeah, yeah, that's in England, so. right? <laughs> so, I don't think my statement was incorrect. No, it just, wait, wait. It just did you now, say is Oxford in Europe? Because I imagine the Brits might disagree. It's, <laughs> they like the EU. They like to pretend they're not in Europe. Right. Still in Europe. They did leave the EU. I mean, you know, whatever. Right. I didn't, man, putting words in my mouth. I, I know, I'm just saying, like, you're acting, you're passing it off, like, oh, he's from some college, you know, in England or something. And it's like, like I couldn't remember his Oxford. I remember it's it was a big prestigious university. College ever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that's where that's where the adult group is is headed. Uh, we played a couple of sessions of Torg. It was fun. It's actually I really like the the adventure that I that I started with them. Although the first act, in my opinion, is the least firmly constructed act, and it's a tough one to start with, and it's a tough game to to pick up. Um, so and and one of my players is starting a new job still working the old job and working weekends and so is going like 17 days in a row without a break and and it's just too much you know so um so yeah so so that's that's where i'm at with that with my uh with my kids games though we're still playing torg we're playing uh uh, and having a good time. We played the same sort of uh, one-shot intro adventure that, that the adult group played. Um, and then I, I was going to run them through the same uh, seven-act adventure. Because um, I like to use my kids as guinea pigs to test things out before I bring it to my adult group sometimes. Uh, but I thought, oh, but it would make a lot of sense to like throw something else in between. So we're doing this other... like five-acted adventure called The Fires of Ra that takes place in the Nile Empire, which, uh, if you're familiar with Torg, is sort of a 1930s pulp superhero weird science 
uh, fighting Nazis, except it's not really Nazis because it's invaders from another reality and they're all dressed like ancient Egyptians, but they've got Tommy guns, uh, you know, uh, sort of thing. And so we're playing through that and, and, and it's actually, it's, it's been going really well. The, the kids have played Torg before. They get, they know the system really well. They, you know, and so this, this time around we decided let's do a full campaign. So let's not get rid of these characters after we're done. And then, you know, after each adventure, maybe we'll take a break. We'll go do something else for a while, but let's hang on to these characters and we can keep coming back to them. Torg works really well that way. It's fairly episodic, uh, even as you progress a larger storyline. So, um, but yeah, Fires of Raw involves like you you go you you there's urban sort of adventure and it's you know oh somebody somebody found the ancient artifact and they're in this nightclub and you go after it and and it gets sh- shot out of their hand and it's skittering across the dance floor and everybody's chasing after it and the bad guys are shooting at you while you're running after it and every time you get close to it somebody on the dance floor kicks it and it skitters to the other side it feels very Indiana Jones right and then from there you end up out. Um, at you know, searching the ruins uh, of of an ancient Egypt that never was, and going through all the traps, and uh, you know, and by and you find the great artifact, the Eye of Sebek, the the this magical gem that can shoot lightning bolts, that the bad guys want to uh, to to attach to their new big mega weapon in their to use in their invasions or whatever, uh, and then you 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 get out, and it turns out that the NPC like guide that you met in the in the small village that helped you get there betrayed you, and the bad guy. Is sitting outside waiting for you with the army and just like, all right, give me the gym, right? It's over, right? And so they give it to you and then you manage to, and, and they tie you up and then they they leave with it to take it back to Cairo. Uh, but the but one of the, the pulp era superheroes was undercover and, and breaks you out. And so you you hop on one of the, the I don't know, a, a motorcycle with the, the sidecar and you're chasing down the train that they're on and they're shooting at you from the back. Like it's, it's, Crazy, wacky adventure, right? Uh, the part that they've just gone through is um, that they, they've they actually gone out to the Congo, uh, which has also been transformed and conquered by the Nile Empire. Um, and they, they go upstream to, to some ruins where they're trying to recover a, a bow that was a, an important artifact from a, a famous warrior woman uh, in the Congo who fought off the Egyptians for, for days on end with the, the pure strength of her own bow, right? Uh, and you, you're being tasked with go recover this bow so that we can offer it to the Amazons as a gift to try to form an alliance with the Amazons against the Nile Empire, right? Uh, but my, my favorite part of it so far is that they charter uh, an old jungle ship uh, or boat to go, you know, steamship or whatever to go up the river, um, uh, piloted by, by old Joe Hill, uh, an American who who uh, left New Orleans and and came to the Congo to to find his his way when the invasion happened, right? And he got stuck there, uh, and he's the only boat that's on that side of the waterfall that can take you up that part that river. Uh, so you you get on with Old Joe Hill, and I and I absolutely played into okay. Well, Old Joe Hill is like. Uh, an old New Orleans version of the Rock in in Jungle Cruise, and right. and the ship is the Jungle Cruise ship from from Disney, right? And, and they're steaming up, and they're attacked by pirates on their own little uh, jungle steamer ship, and uh, you know it's uh, they're having a blast, right? They just fought zomb- headless zombies last session, um, so they're having fun. Uh, we we don't play very much at a time with the kids, so a lot of times, so so Torg sets everything up in acts, right? But each act is broken up into scenes. 
typically a session is an act, right? You go through multiple scenes, whatever. With the kids, some weeks, a session is just one scene. Sometimes I can I can sneak an extra scene in there without telling them if it's if one of them is short, right? But we'll play for you know we'll play for an hour, we'll play for two hours, whatever on a Sunday afternoon, and call that good enough. And um, that way that I'm not beating them over the head with it and, and wearing them out. So <laughs> it works pretty well, and and we're having fun. So anyway, those are my games. I look forward to uh, getting more into Dresden Files. Uh, I almost need to have the show go weekly as I'm getting into the Dresden Files because I'm going to have to be making stuff up every week. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. Might I suggest a weekly GM prep show? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I have to have guests on to do that. I don't know. I don't. No, but that's the <laughs> right. That's his point. That was, just, he wants the. That's my point. I want people to bounce ideas off. Of. Yeah, I, I do. It's everybody in Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> no. How about how about I do a weekly GM prep show and uh, you come on as a weekly I'm, guest and so does got, Sam and I got things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm busy. Maybe I'll just start crashing your show and, and asking about my. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Yeah, hack my copy of Streamlabs. Right. <laughs> what the what? <laughs> anyway. The audience sees Jeff come in and sit next to Mike. <laughs> if, if all of the the listeners out there want to uh, reach out to the Tome Show and uh, and and give me ideas about uh, my Dresden Files games or or ask me questions about it, we do have various social media we the tome show is on twitter as the tome show we also have a facebook page and uh there's a discord channel which is permanently linked on um on twitter or you can just ask for it uh, and we will send it to you you can email the tome show at gmail.com and we'll help you with that uh shazam shazamix i don't shazam shazam i don't know how to pronounce the name but um he's got my back on they've got my back on uh, dresden files so Good deal. All right. So, Mike. Yo. Uh, Sam and I went a little over, so you only get three minutes. Go. Oh, three minutes, man. <laughs> I've been running some games. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, no, I'm thinking about it because your 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 forays into Torg and Dresden Files uh, is similar to my experimentations with Blades in the Dark and uh, now Numenera, right? So I've mm-hmm. I've in the past month. Have run three different RPGs. Uh, you've d- you've for, done that before, groups. though. Taken a break in between D and D campaigns and done. Uh, I have. It's, and... it's been a while, yeah. right? It's it's been it's been some time. I think I did run some Shadow of the Demon Lord not too far back. We 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 one of my campaigns switched over to Shadow of the Demon Lord for mm-hmm. a while, and I enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, it's interesting when the style of game. This is what I found, and I, I did a whole show about about my 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 thoughts on blades. I did prep sessions for that. I have about six videos where I did it, and it's it's you know it was a shock for me to try to jump into a system that has just a different way to play, mm-hmm. right? And and was hard. It was it was harder to GM. You know, I I never I never felt confident when I was GMing it um, because it it you know. It, it was such a different style of how that game operates. There's so much part of it is like, there's so much agency given to the players to mm-hmm. kind of drive how things go and the stories and how things go. Part of it is a little of that. So you never feel like you're standing. You always feel like you're standing on shifting sand. Right. 
and I'm, it's not, I'm not being critical of the game. The game's fantastic. And the, and the, the, the philosophies behind the games are is great. And a lot of it is stuff that you can wire in and use in any RPG. So I, I liked all of that, but it was definitely different. Uh, I'm having less of that problem with Numenera because when it comes down to it, Numenera is a D20 game. Right. Right. And, and it plays out just like any, you know, it's actually very d and Right. It, it seems like it's not. It seems like, oh, it's this super high science fiction kind of thing with its own style and it's got its own weird mechanics. And there's a little bit of that. And it's like it's a little bit of, of, of energy for myself and the players to kind of get, you know, that there aren't stat scores. Mm-hmm. There's pools. Right. And the pool is actually not a score. It's a it's like hit points that you use for things. So we're, we're figuring that out. But when it comes to like the prep it's, and the world it's resources, building, right? Yeah, it's, it's resources. They have to right. fi- figure out how to use their right. resources, but it's not there's, like there's complications. Rope and, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, cause you got a stat and you have your pool and you have your effort and you have your edge. And it's like figuring out what all the nomenclature is and stuff like that. But, but really it's, I, I don't find it terribly complicated. And once you're in it, it's so streamlined. Like the, the gameplay is so streamlined. It's really, I, I, there are parts of it. I really love and love more than I like, 5e mm. uh i love that every challenge is a number between one and ten and that that number tells you everything you need to know including building everything from the weakest monster to the the, the strongest monster right and so yeah so but it, but but when it comes down to the prep on that one the prep is pretty straightforward like you you come up you know i'm doing a, a homebrew campaign for it I, it took me i think the biggest was like you know, making the choice about what I was going to run. And it's, I've been sitting on a ton of Numenera stuff for many years. And then I'm like, man, I got so much what I'm going to use. And I ended up saying like, you know, I don't really, the campaigns are not grabbing me as much as I would like. So I'm going to just do my own and then bring in a lot of material for it. And that seems to have worked out. And and I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying that. We're only, I think we've only had one full session now. Um, so we're going to have like our second full session. And then this one, they're, they're diving into the data sphere. So I'm back in Aeon wave again. There you go. They're, you know, I, they're, I, they're, I am, I'm curious. So normally you've got your two groups and normally yeah. your two groups are running whatever the latest published adventure is side by mm-hmm. side, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Th- there is a latest published adventure. Is there a reason yep. your groups decided not to run Witchlight? My or uh, my Sunday group in particular, uh, I think a couple of the players had mentioned, hey, it would be fun to try some other systems. Okay. Uh, I also have been weaning myself off of the idea that I have to play the published adventures after Fr- Frostmaiden broke me. Right. <laughs> like like Sam, Frostmaiden was so hard and so rough. <laughs> I, I, I have nearly abandoned 5e over it. No, not really. Um, Sam, Sam Dillon does not endorse this guy. <laughs> Uh, so I, I did, I did make a choice. Like, like Frostmaiden for me was the last time that I said, like, I want to run a published adventure because I'm like, I'm in this hobby and I'm, I do reviews of the books. I do after, you know, I do, I do prep sessions about the books and it's like, I get it. And certainly like Witchlight, I'll tell you, as soon as I started doing prep shows for Blades in the Dark and Numenera, I had people like, how come you're not doing Witchlight? We want Witchlight prep. So now I have to do those too. (laughs) Now I'm doing, but you're not running Witchlight. I am running Witchlight. Oh, you're running. I'm I'm running Witchlight for my Wednesday game. You're running three games. I'm running. Well, no, two because uh, Numenera was after Blades. Oh, Numenera and Blades are the same group. My yeah, right. My Sunday group. We did five. We did five sessions of Blades. Finished that one off, and then switched over to Numenera. We're going to do some number of Numenera. I would be a little sad if you didn't do Witchlight because I yeah, I'm I'm really excited about Witchlight. I think it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Right, me too. And I'll talk. I'll talk about that. Right. 
So, yeah, so my Wednesday group, uh, I had, I, I, I planned, I don't know, but like I read Witchlight and I'm like, I really like this, you know, and Will Doyle and Stacey did such an outstanding mm-hmm. job with it. So I said, I definitely want to run it. And that group is a little less interested in, like, I don't know if they're less interested. I probably could convince them. Like, all my groups are like, oh, yeah, we'll do whatever you want to do, right? But, but they didn't bring it up like my Sunday group did. So, um, uh, so I said, well, I want to run Witchlight still, and and I am, and now we are. We just finished chapter one, and our, our probably you know, chapter two is really quick. Like one thing about Witchlight that surprised me is it's not a long adventure. It's actually, uh, you know, along the size of Waterdeep Dragon Heist, right? Like, oh yeah. It's not. You're not gonna. You know, it's it's, it's not a, like like level wise. I think maybe it's a little longer, but not much. It's a little longer. It's like seven or eight. But like you know, chapter one we got through in in two or three sessions, and chapter one took us I think ninety six years when I ran it for Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Yeah. So you know, like it it was it, it's moving quick, and like the chapters, you know, they're really nice and they're pretty and they've got a lot of fun things in them, but yeah. they're not long. I think I think and, we play tested chapter one in. One maybe two sessions. Yeah, you can you can. I mean, the unorganized play program runs chapter one as one as a one yeah. session game, right? They can they can you can pack it into four hours. I don't I don't limit how, what they do or or time and anything like that. And then the one thing that I've added, and I've talked about this, and this has had interesting consequences, is uh, I added in this idea of dreadful incursions. Have I talked about this? Yeah, yeah. So I've oh, I've, right. now, I've now been running those right, and I've I've had two dreadful incursions that have occurred in chapter one and i'm building a third and for chapter for chapter two and the the biggest takeaway from that is it's it it it, it, they are serving their purpose of having cool fun stuff to fight Mm -hmm. without consequence right without feeling like you lost like the thing i worried about with 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 witch light for me and like the style that i want to play is like would every battle be a failure right would every battle mean like oh all of the other stuff failed and we should have we we could have gotten around this right, and the answer is not really like we, we were playing chapter two and there's a scene where you're rescuing the, uh, uh, the 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 fairy dragon who's hanging above two snakes. Well, the only way to interact with the snakes and make them not hostile is if you speak with animals, and I don't think you can get speak with animals at the level that you're um, at, <laughs> right? Like I, I'm not sure. Maybe it's speak with animals a first level spell. I don't know. But we didn't have it and they didn't try it. And so the snakes were hostile and they fought them. And the snakes still talked to them. And they're like, are we actually hearing these snakes talk? I'm like, no, it's more like detailed impressions you're getting, right? <laughs> and but they still fought the snakes and and but they didn't kill them, right? They fought them, they got them to half hit points. The snakes then tried to go away and they said, Yeah, let them go. They're dumb, big dumb snakes. But that's different than like I a bunch of shadows that they fought, or right. you know, some some um sea spawn that that spawned from the Sea of Sorrows incursion. But the the so the good thing was now A, I'm having a lot of fun kind of mixing in dreadful incursions into the story. The somewhat unintended consequence is that it's taking this, you know, really delightful, cheery adventure and making it darker. Right. And I got, I got people who are like, you know, you just complained about how dark Rime of the Frost Maiden was and what a drag that could be. And then you take the, like the, the polar opposite and the super happy Feywild adventure. And then you, uh, uh, and then you darken it up by dropping on all this stuff. Uh, Roll the hit says, "What? What are you talking about?" So dreadful, <laughs> you know. Good, good question. Um, so it's been a Van month Richten's since you talked about it. So right, Van, Van Richten's guide to Ravenloft has a whole pile of domains of dread listed in there. There's like, I think there's like thirty or so. Uh, I found twenty that I like. Maybe I, I think I narrowed it down to twelve. I found twelve domains that I really thought would work well for this idea. My my idea is that 
as as part of this is all spoilery for for Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Uh, the the main one of the main storylines in Wild Beyond the Witchlight is that the prince the 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 um, the Fey Lord over uh, Prismir uh, named Zabilna has been frozen in time by this this coven of hags known as the Hourglass Coven, and my thought was that one of Zabilna's things that she did was ensure that the domains of dread, which happen to be floating nearby in the metaphorical cosmos, uh, and Prismir stayed separate. And because she's frozen, they are starting like two galaxies starting to collide together. Uh, domains of dread are beginning to hit and open and tear rifts into Prismere, which means every so often you'll see this swirling mist, the mist of the domains of dread, and it'll like tear open. And in the other side, you'll see one of the domains, like the Sea of Sorrows, this you know horrible sea sea based thing. And those domains of dread are prisons, right? They're prisons for dark lords, and it means that the dark lord might see and go, "Oh my God, there's a way out of here." Right. And they might have a way out. And then you've got the 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 I forget what's above the Dark Lords. Right. The, the, the dark powers, the dark powers, the dark powers. Look, we don't want this. Right. Like that's not supposed to happen. So there's all this kind of fun layer of, of things that are going on. And, and isn't, that, a, isn't that the plot of the new Spider-Man movie? I don't know. I didn't see it. So I haven't yet either. It's not a spoiler <laughs> for Spider-Man, so I don't want to. But, but, you know, like the multiverse idea, right? But but the idea that it's like these domains of these small sort of sealed prisons are smashing into the to Prismere and opening up. And it gives us, the, the, from a practical matter, A, we could use Van Richten's guide to bring a lot of interesting stuff into play that otherwise we wouldn't bring into yeah. this campaign. And B, it has opportunity for things that are clearly fightable to well, show up. And the really interesting thing to me in that is, like, I, I am mentally prepping my Witchlight campaign. My next campaign is going to be Avernus. But my mentally oh. – you know, I, I got I got the, the platinum box from Beetle and Grimm for Witchlight. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely – pushing that soon um and and so i've got all these ideas and i like to you know i like to supplement and i like to add things and whatever uh but the least the least natural thing to mash up with wild the wild beyond the Witchlight in many ways is the domains of dread i i think it is and yet <laughs> yeah it, it makes it, it it works i mean cosmologically it Works. I mean, they even have the domains of delight versus the, the domains, domains of dread, right? whatever, the, right? The so, so like, these, like these, I get, I get it, but yeah. like in terms of theme and feel and genre, right. they are exactly. they couldn't yes. be more different. That and is yet, right, and that's yeah. kind of where the most fun is. Is I take these so. things that are so different, and mash them up. Bit of a yin and yang kind of idea. Yeah. Here. But the problem is, it does. Like, if you had, and, and you know, it's it's hard to balance, right? And certainly, like. As you drop these things in, I had to make it really clear. I had an NPC that told them right away what was going on so that they would recognize, like, oh, this isn't the whole place. Like, they thought the entire, yeah, they, they thought that the entire uh, 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 circus, the entire the entire festival, carnival. yeah, the entire carnival was corrupted when they saw one incursion. They said, oh, these got to be going on all over the place, right? And I had to make it clear to them, like, no, that was really the one thing, right? Like, they... And they're like, well, Witch and Light are obviously hiding this, right? They're they're probably involved in causing it. And wow. I was like, you know, whoops, like no, right? So they jumped down this whole thing. So, and th but th then again, there is a there is a Ravenloft or, yeah, or, or a connection. Right. Act, they actually are connected, right? Because yeah. their their carnival is one of the domains, right? So yeah, their original carnival is one of the domains. So they, yeah, there are these connections. They're, it's pretty strong. I don't think it's coincidental no, no, that no. the two books came out similar to one another around the same time. Um. So that's been fun, but I've it has meant that I've got to have a better handle 
on the theme of the campaign and making sure that like the the positivity is staying high because I want the positivity. So part of it is like, how do I, you know, in some cases, like the domain will be pretty dark and dreadful, but are there other ways for me to add things in there aren't quite as dark and dreadful? Like, like instead of just ghouls pouring out of one of the oh wells, what if it's ghoul frogs? Like ghoul frogs are kind of fun, right? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so so that's something. It, it I'll tell you though, like, I worry about the change of the theme and making it too dark, but at the same time, I am having so much fun with them because I'll read it like I was rolling. I was I was doing my prep for my show this week uh, and I'm just rolling on my tables and I'm like Aslan, like the, the domain of Aslan, this like, you know, the, this realm of that's like this ruined desert from magical experimentation gone awry. And I'm so it's got so many cool things in it, so many, you know, and I'm like, I want that place to be bleeding into uh, uh, hither, you know, I want to have like a mm -hmm. section of hither that's getting eaten away by a domain that has torn through and has stayed open. And now the characters can go and close it, right? Mm -hmm. Like now, instead of just having like a rift and some monsters pop out, now there's actually a section that has, that has been around a bit and they have to go there and find out why it's staying open and, and shut it down. Right? It occurs to me, you're kind of doing the Torg reality invasion, but you're doing it in Frisbeer <laughs> instead of on Earth. Yeah, I mean it's not a you know it's not a unique concept. Here, no, no, no. Like but it's sliding. Yeah, but it's not one I would have I would have naturally gravitated to if you hadn't said it. Yeah, I, I mean for Witchlight. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm sure other people have thought of it too. But like, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what the mashup that I have had trying to figure out in my head is: yeah. is there some way to mash up Witchlight and Strixhaven because they both have this sort of sure. less deadly combat focused thing yeah. to them. Uh, but and and Strixhaven is set up in such a way like there's all these things that happen during the school year, but you always have the summers off. But I'm like, yeah, but you can't really just take care of Prismere in the summers sure very easily. No, you could take care of Prismere in one summer because I don't think it takes very long. Right, that, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think you could fit like the chapters of Witchlight in between the chapters of Strixhaven. No, because there's a, there's a little bit of urgency. Like I, it's not a it's not like Tomb of Annihilation urgency, but there's a little bit of urgency. Though. Like things are getting worse, right? And, and you can and wait four you years, Zilna, right? If, right, like those you know those lands are tearing themselves apart, and mm -hmm. if you don't rescue Zavilna sometime pretty soon, like you know who knows what right. those realms are like. So yeah, but I'm I'm having a lot of fun with so I'm having a lot of fun with all my games. I I like I look forward a lot to my Numenera game. On Sundays, uh, I look forward a lot to my Witchlight games. I'm right I'm really happy. I do. Uh, I, I you know it's just it's my duty, as a friend of yours we, for many years, right? Think about running Witchlight before you think about running Avernus. My my players are already uh, chomping at the bit. They're ready. All right. All right. I I've been waiting for the good how many years now. But, wait, but, but Jeff, but but Jeff, you ran Avernus already for your. Goals, I ran it. Right? I ran it for my kids. Oh, okay. so, so you know. So he so he kind of yeah, knows, right? Like right. he's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, can't I know what I'm getting into. Yeah. I ran it for my forgot, kids, and yeah. it was fabulous. I don't care what you say. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Then you, then you know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, and, the, do. and I will say the other thing, like, and this is something that I've, I've enjoyed is now there's a lot of people have run that. Right. And there's a lot. And same with like Frost Maiden. Like a lot of people have run it. And there's a lot of material you can harvest yeah. that I think can can really change things mm -hmm. around. But that that one. I mean, those are my bottom two. Right. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Anyway. Yep. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up then for the night. 
So I, wait, I want to oh, yeah. want to comment on Mike's Numenera thing. So I ran Numenera for a while, and it's I thought it interesting what you said about the campaigns didn't really like do. They didn't, they didn't but, grab me. Like, yeah, the the campaigns didn't grab me either. So yeah. Numenera is probably the only game, in the only RPG ever that I've run and not used any published material other than like the core book. So I'm I'm using a lot of published material. I'm just not using like they they have a whole book <laughs> about the, the the data sphere, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm well, yeah, yeah, no. That. I I mean I mean adventures wise. I right. mean I, I have a lot of setting stuff yeah. for them. They're, they have like some, just, they had right, they had one shot. Like the big question is like there were certain things I wanted a Numenera adventure to do. Right. Yeah. And and needed to show off what makes this thing different, mm-hmm. and a lot of them right. didn't do that. They didn't, right? The yeah. the adventures. It was interesting to me. The, I mean, now I haven't read one a recent one for right. So, no offense to Numenera or whatever, but like I love the game, but the published adventures were like somebody wrote a D and D adventure and they just threw some ciphers in it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was kind of on that like that kind of way, which I could see them doing that if they're trying to pull D and D players into like Numenera but for me I wanted something like really different from my Numenera than I because I, I could play I, deep you know I think I could have gotten into Jade Colossus but my mm. you know Jade Colossus is a big campaign about like yeah, a yeah. giant giant thing yeah. And, yeah but it's sort of like a mega dungeon yeah. and I was like I don't know that I want to run a mega dungeon right did, did either of you speaking of mega dungeons and mm-hmm. money cook games did either of you uh <laughs> kickstart the Tolus oh yeah uh, 5e Tolus yeah yeah, I love Tolus. Um, did you? Yeah. So they they just released the PDF anyway. What a week or two ago of one of the the yeah big adventures new adventure. For it. Yeah. Have yeah. you had a yeah. chance to look Here's, at it yet? I did. Yeah, it looks cool. There's, that's Tolus. So yeah, on, on top of all the you know, I've got all the Cobalt Press mid, Midgard oh, stuff. I've got Tolus. I know. I, oh, I only have the PDF, a, so I can't do your that. arm. <laughs> I know. This is as big as my AMP textbook. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I needed a special shelf. I needed a reinforced shelf. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, I mean that's that's another one of those. I mean, Monty Cook Games is typically like this. It's a gift that keeps on giving, and yeah. like yeah. more and more stuff for Tolus is going to be. I would. There's, you know, I always used to joke about the fact that in an alternate reality, I'm running Numenera all the time, right? And I feel that way. Like there are there are parts where it's like, man, imagine I wasn't running all this other stuff or doing all these other things. I would totally run a Tolus campaign, right? right. Like yeah. I could see that being a really yeah, fun. No. And, and a I've, really fun I've, campaign. I've cannibalized a bunch of fit that in. I've cannibalized <laughs> yeah. a bunch of Midgard into my into my Forgotten Realms or whatever. Yeah, right? and, yeah. And I do I do that kind of stuff a lot. But I did, there is a part of me that's like there. I want to play an actual Midgard campaign sometime. I want to play an actual right. Tolis campaign sometime. Um, yeah, you know. that's the other one, right? It's like I've got you know I've got uh, two different um, Cobalt Press campaigns that I want to run. Right. Uh, Scarlet Citadel and Empire of the Ghouls. Yeah, right? both both of those, I, both of those are on my list. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of lot of stuff to run. Yeah. See, Mike, the problem is if you're always running the most recent D and D release well, so that you right. can do it, then you don't have time to run all that's, that other stuff. And yep. That's yeah. I am no, the only. So I am only going to run adventures I am really eager to run. Mm-hmm. That's but, my but new. That's, like, that's I, why I, I, I mash them up. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Sure. Well, that's yeah. no, I yeah, and I feel well, and that's and now I I, I recognize like all the that I've given you for bashing yeah. all those adventures, but I'm enjoying it a lot with Van Richten's guide, right? right? Like I really feel like, hey, here's a whole other book I get to use a lot of, yeah, while I'm running another campaign. Yeah, so well, that's, see, that's, that's the pretty, thing though, like yeah, when you have cool. like a super whimsical thing and you put a little tiny tinge of evil in it, mm-hmm. and they can combat it and get rid of it, that's like 
a very relieving thing. And even though you're bringing kind of that evil into the whimsical thing, there's relief from it because they can defeat you know, it. And, you know, and that actually makes the whimsicalness even brighter. So to it, speak. it is. But it, the, that, I don't get to determine that. Right. Like right. The players, the players yeah, are yeah. going to determine. I that. guess what I'm saying is the, the reason rhyme was so was so tough was that it was just all oppressive, right? It was all oppressive all the time. And even though they tried to throw in like some whimsical stuff with the pumpkin spice mummy and some of the uplifted animals, (laughs) but there was just a tinge of oppression over the entire thing. I don't think think my, of all of the issues I had with Rhyme, uh, I don't think it was too depressing. Like the way Mm -hmm. we ran it, I think both groups, I think it was a pretty straightforward Mm -hmm feeling that but like if you were to compare the attitude of that with the attitude of tomb of annihilation they were they were similar mm-hmm. right i don't i don't think it was it wasn't nearly as grim and isolated for me right for the way yeah. that the way that this is one of those things like you can't you know we could talk yeah. about what the theme of the adventure is like when you read it and then there's how right. it played with our yeah, groups yeah, yeah. and yeah. and how i played it with our groups like i had i had thumper the yeah, you yeah, know yeah. The, the, yeah. the herald of the white moose yeah. right, and right. everyone remember no one even remembers the white moose but they right, remember right. thumper yeah, right, right. Yeah. and he was such like even though he was such a dick boy was that like a upward beat right for yeah, people. yeah yeah like it, yeah. everybody kept talking about right. it. and and yeah so both i don't think either of my groups you know felt like you know the the real nature of it and, and some of that i've heard a lot of complaints about about rhyme saying like hey you tell us it's supposed to be the thing and then there's nothing like that in it right and yeah. and you know so i don't i don't think the attitude probably not as dark as like 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 when i ran descent into avernus i had mm-hmm. to change things to because mm-hmm. like the players weren't liking the characters they were running right yeah. and they're like we're burning souls and how evil is that drive cars see i kept rhyme very dark right yeah sure. for me the whole yeah. point of it was right right oral is messing up this entire area and torog in my game yeah and you gotta stop this because these people I mean, are desperate yeah. like mine was not light-hearted right like yeah, i yeah. had i had thrown yeah. the elder evil yeah, and yeah, i yeah. had the, you know and the endless night is still there and i had the cult of oral which we we you know was there a long time and and on all that stuff but um but yeah, just like the players. Oh, I mean, and I had some character arcs that were very dark. We had one character who was the most yeah. optimistic character turned into the most best, you know, like really dark. He was right, the one that right. drank the vampire blood. So there was a lot of dark that happened. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think the theme of it was any darker or worse than others uh, than 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 yeah. the other ones. But I definitely wanted to have a, a lighter, a cheer. more whimsical. Well, especially yeah. after Descent into Avernus, followed by Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. It's like <laughs> Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> we, we were we were owed yeah. and more upbeat adventure yeah. and, and what and tomb, tomb before that yeah uh well yeah i guess you had uh watery dragon heist and was yeah. between tomb was and it that yeah. Yeah, yeah i know like the plate that we both play tested it and that throws us off right. but <laughs> but yeah i think what yeah. a dragon heist is more of a upbeat heisty well, mm-hmm. well investigatory adventure yeah yeah. So, so it's different. But yeah, my new rule is I'm running what I want. I don't, I don't care. Good. Right? I mean, I, that's what yeah. you should have all. You, that's what you should yeah, always yeah, be yeah. doing. <laughs> and generally, yeah. like it's never like uh, up until Frostmaid. Frostmaid was, and and I guess Avernus. I did, I did kind of force feed Avernus, and those, those are two that looking back, like I'm happy I ran them, and that and I'm enjoyed the campaigns, and our my my players and I all had a. Good but there time. are other things you would have enjoyed more. There are other things I would have enjoyed more, and and I I don't know. Did I tell you this? Like I polled my players. We we ranked them all, uh, my players and I ranked them all, and they and they they actually put Frostmaiden in the middle, 
uh, where um, I had it in the, oh, the bottom, but, but it was not, you know, high. And then Avernus was at the bottom for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, if if their rankings end up the same as yours, though, how much of that is because you didn't like what you were running? You know, oh, I mean, it's possible. <laughs> so. Yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's a big part, right? right. Um, but like, one of his players liked Rhyme so much, he's running it himself, right? Yeah, that's true. How, yeah, you keep it up. So uh, he, he went into the Discord and started talking to everyone. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. My part. friend Jerry. Right, right. My friend Jerry. Yeah. Who's now, Jerry is now in both of my games. He's, yeah. you know, oh. he's in my so Wednesday he's, and my. He's Friday. in both of your games and running Frostmaiden? And running Frostmaiden. And he's wow. running it from one of the players who was in the game and is playing it again. Oh. So, so they like it enough that he's willing to do it again. So see, it can't be that bad, right? Sure, it can. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. But yeah, my, the my, experience my of playing I mean, yeah, a them, game is different than the, the right. Yeah, yeah, book yeah. For them, version. for them, like it was, it was, uh, you know, for for the the overall average scores. I'm looking at my little chart here, and it, it was right in the middle for them. Like oh. it was, it was, yeah. They they liked it. This shocked me. They liked it better than Ghost of Saltmarsh, and I adored Ghost of Saltmarsh. Like that was my number hmm. three. Right. And for Very them, that was yeah, lower. So that was interesting. Yeah. Mean, I mean, meanwhile, I've been inspired, and, and and I just realized, oh, I can definitely match a bunch of. Uh, Tales of the Old Margrave into Witchlight. That would be really easy. Yeah, and that's actually a really good way to... I, I did not enjoy Tales. I thought I was going to run it as a campaign. And you yeah, can't don't really do run that. that book as a campaign. Yeah. Right. I, I ran a bunch of it in my in my two-year campaign. Yeah. Uh, and now I can it take what I like didn't it, run. It, 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 the, 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 the trickery with that one is that the, the all of the adventures are leveled like they're a combined thing. Oh, but they're not. Yeah. No. <laughs> they're all, well, the they're all original, the original version of that though actually wasn't a campaign. It was a bunch of a, a bunch, bunch of new sort of individual adventures. Yeah, right? this one, this one isn't yeah. either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, but I, I guess the thing is, like with this one, it was like kickstarted and it was like yeah, almost presented as a location. But because mm -hmm. of the way it's laid out, then it looks like it's supposed to be a campaign. Yeah. I don't know. Whereas previously it did not even. Well, I, I feel the same way about Saltmarsh. I, I don't think that was a campaign, but yeah, but it was oh. easier for me to tie it together, yeah. which I yeah. guess we owed it to to, to uh, Kate. Kate, uh, what was her name that used to work at Wizards? Irwin. Irwin. No. Um, uh, uh, Welch. Kate Welch. Yeah, Kate Welch apparently is the one that said, "You know, we should tie these together," and, they, and then they, <laughs> they they wrote some skeleton stuff to tie it together, and okay. I ran it and I loved it. It worked out really well. well. Except for that one piece of piece of crap adventure in the middle. Which one? Um, Isle of the Abbey. It's like my least uh, favorite. Uh, I, that's the one I used for my campaign. Oh, it's so bad. They liked it. But <laughs> no. that's where I, I put major hints. Like, did my game, the Isle of the Abbey, was originally a guard post watching over the uh, the connection to the Amber Temple and, and yeah. Barovia. So there was a, a deeper story. And then they went and fought at the bottom of the ocean at a shipwreck. And yeah, mm -hmm. good times. So anyway. Uh, we are yeah. now well past our hour, uh, as, as we tend to do. Yep. So I think it is now time to say goodbye to folks. Uh, so this has been fun. We'll do it again. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. Mike, not that you're even really on Twitter these days, but how could people find you? Oh, I'm, I'm well, I have bots on Twitter. Right. Um, <laughs> like, go, go to com. There you go. If you really want to help me out and you want to see my stuff, sign up for the Slyflourish newsletter. There you go. I do. There you go. Yeah. Sam, new, people new want to talk to you? Uh, they can just uh, send me a direct message on Twitter or uh, come to come to the Tome Show Discord and talk to me. I'll be all on there. And listen to Edition Wars. That's, a, that's how go. you get in touch with me. That's how you get in touch with Sam. All right. That's the end of the episode. So say goodbye, guys. Goodbye.
Good night, guys. Thank you.